I hope so. Hallelujah. Good morning. It's Christmas time. We're supposed to love people at Christmas time, aren't we? Yeah. I got the right message, I can tell. Christmas time. We celebrate the advent of Jesus Christ. I loved in your reading this morning, Karen, the biggest, grandest, most wonderful statement of God's love. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. So this is a time when we are supposed to celebrate and demonstrate love. Amen? I believe that God made it abundantly clear that He expects us to love one another. He expects us to. I wonder if He just meant for us to love one another at Christmas time. Or maybe Easter. Or maybe just on Sunday morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the expression of love that you've given to us as an example. Help us to embrace the Lord Jesus this morning. To embrace love personified and let it so fill our hearts and spirits that it overflows onto everyone we meet. We'll be so careful to thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Yeah, I don't think God just meant for us to love when we feel like it. I think the word leads us, teaches us that he had a more far-reaching application in mind. And I believe that he gave us the Lord Jesus as an example, as a model of how we should conduct ourselves, our behavior. How many of you ever had one of those little bands that said, what would Jesus do? How many of you ever had an opportunity or situation where maybe you wanted to take that off for a few minutes? Mm. I believe with all my heart, we have a problem. We have a problem with our understanding of love. Many people say that love is an emotion. Many cases, that's true. Some people, it starts and is perpetuated by a chemical or a hormonal situation because of something pleasurable that comes to us. So we love what we love. How many of you love what you love? I'm not going to ask the rest of that. (laughs) 
God's understanding of love and the understanding that I believe that he wants us to have is that love transcends mere emotions or hormones. I believe that properly understood, love is a response. It's a response to the overarching love of God manifested in our lives. I love because he loves. I can love because he loves me. Hallelujah. I was pretty sure I never loved anything until I met Jesus. I said I loved me, but I I don't believe that was true either. But understanding who love is, that love is a person, his name is Jesus, and he comes to, if I can use the word, he came to infect my life with his love. I believe scripture supports that. I believe that the characteristics that scripture provides are supposed to be manifested in our lives. That the love of God should be your love. That the love of God should be my love. And nothing less will do. What's God's love like? Well, God's love is unchangeable. Hallelujah. See if this works. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but I'm not going to take credit for it. Uh, That's not the scripture. That's okay. We'll move on. It's a good scripture. But John chapter 13 and verse 1 says this. I'm going to go back. There we go. I don't know how I got there. I'm new at this. And Mike made the PowerPoint, so. I thought I'd throw you under the bus there, brother. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He never quit loving them. He never gave up on them. He never gave up on you. He never gave up on me. There's been times in your life when you weren't so lovable. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. (laughs) And God loves you anyway. Not past tense. God loves you. Loves you. Anyway, his love is unchangeable. There's nothing I can do to make God love me anymore. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me any less. His love is unchangeable. I'm going to try this again. Hallelujah. I'm starting to trust it, Mike. 
God's love is divine. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Now, everybody knows that God is divine. He's God. And some people like to say, well, God can do that, but I can't. But when it comes to the love of God, he wants you to know that you can exhibit that same kind of love. Jesus did. Jesus was a man. Yeah, well, he was Jesus. He was tempted in all points just like we were, yet without sin. He didn't make any excuses. And when it came to the ones that he loved, he let them know that he was never going to stop loving them. And that that love didn't flow out of his feelings, but it flowed out of that relationship that he had with God. That relationship he had with his father. That relationship that he opened the door for, for you and me. So that we could have that same kind of love. If your love doesn't flow out of the abundance of God. It's been my experience. That that love is pretty shallow. And I speak to my own condition. I remember who I was. And the depth of my love before I knew Jesus Christ. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did that for you. Jesus did that for me. And he asked us to do that for one another. Self-sacrificing. Love prefers. Love takes care. Husbands and wives. Guys, I'm going to ask you the question because if I ask girls, they get mad at me. How rich would your relationship be if you just took care of yourself? Mm. You know, I see you guys wincing. It wouldn't go very far, would it? No, there has to be some sacrifice. And when there is, when it's accepted, when it's appreciated, Life and love is a whole lot better. Self-sacrificing. Preferring someone before yourself. Taking care of the other people in your life. And it doesn't have to be just a marriage relationship. It can be your friends. It can be the ones you go to church with. It can be the people out on the street that don't even know who Jesus Christ is and should be. Self-sacrificing. Lay down your life. Lay down your attitude. Lay down your need to let your opinion be known. Still don't trust it. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? The answer to that is nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. We spend a lot of time wondering whether or not God loves us. Trying to gain his approval. Wondering if maybe we didn't really commit the unpardonable sin. I know lots of people. People that go to church. You ask them if God loves them, they say, I hope so. Oh my. Don't hope so when you can know so. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing you can do is going to make God stop loving you. You say, well, so-and-so did this. Well, yeah. And did God quit loving so-and-so? Would God receive them if they came with a heart of contrition and confessed their sin? Or would he say, no, I saw what you did. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now, I'm not foolish enough to believe that everybody's going to go to heaven. That was an agreement. But nothing can stop God from loving his children. Those of you that have had children, you've had some children that did you wrong at one time or another. Unless you're really blessed and had a child that never did anything to you. But most of them took us for a ride we didn't want to go on. Did you stop loving them? No. You still love them. You still wish the best for them. You're not going to stop God from loving you. God's love should control us. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. How's that playing out in your life? That exchanged life? The fact that Jesus Christ died for you so that you could reckon yourself dead. I'll tell you what, when you're facing temptation, it's a good thing to know you're dead. What kind of temptation can you tempt a dead man with? You do it all day long, it just doesn't work. Why? Because you are dead to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. So those things that used to so easily beset you no longer have any effect on you. What does that? Well, it's the love of God. It's the love being made manifest in your life. The love that gives you the strength to go up against those things that used to take you down, that used to trap you, that used to put you in a corner and you say, nope, I'm done with that. I'm dead. Talk to Jesus. He's got something for you. God's love should control us. 
See, Jesus gave himself for you, gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He is releasing power into your life, into your heart, into your spirit. Even as I speak right now, the virtue of God in the form of love, love is flowing into your life. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world, he gave. There it is. He gave himself so that you could have power, so that you could have authority, so that you could have anointing, and so that you could learn how to love like he loves. Hallelujah. First John 3.16 Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. God's love for you, God's love for me, was proven in the death of Jesus Christ. I don't think it gets any better than that. Almost all of the religions in the world call for you to sacrifice yourself for whatever deity they're proclaiming. But God said, I'll lay it all on the line for you. You don't have to die. I'm going to die for you. And you can appropriate that. You can embrace that. God proved it. Well, how does it show up in our lives? How does it make itself manifest? It needs to be impartial. Deuteronomy 10 and 19 says, Love you therefore the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. That's Old Testament. I thought the Old Testament was all about judgment, the New Testament was all about grace. A lot of grace in the Old Testament. Might even be a little judgment in the New Testament. Remember who you are. That's what he's saying there. Be impartial. I remember when I got saved and I quit smoking. And I thought everybody that smoked was going to hell. You ever met a born-again non-smoker? <laughs> I had about as much mercy. You could lose my mercy in your eye and it wouldn't irritate it because I didn't know anything. 
And sometimes we carry that into our walk with the Lord where we forget where we came from and somebody else comes into the kingdom and maybe they haven't gone as far as you've gone. And we forget where we fell from. We forget what kind of pit we crawled out of. So when that love shows up in our life, it needs to be impartial. I love this one and this one and this one, but I'm not too sure about that one. Ouch. Don't do that. Needs to be unselfish. Real simple. Matthew twenty two thirty nine says, Thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself. Mm. What does that mean? Take care of the people that God puts in your path. What does it mean to love somebody like you love yourself? It means to take care of them. Well, what does that mean? Well, what do they need? If they need something and you got it, what do you do? Many, many years ago, I was in a really bad building accident. And I had both my arms and been arm cast. 26 weeks. That's the way it was. Yeah. Robots had better motion than I did. Somebody had to feed me. Somebody had to comb my hair. Matter of fact, my insurance company paid a good friend of mine. And you know what he did? He combed my hair. He dressed me. He brushed my teeth. He did all the things for me that I couldn't do myself. It was the manifestation of loving your neighbor like you love yourself. What does your neighbor need? And what can you do for him? Well, sky's the limit. I promise you God watches those things. I promise you he takes notice. when you love your neighbor as yourself. John 13 and 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another. For too long in the body of Christ, we've had a habit of eating our wounded. We've got to stop that. There's people that may be in this room right now that may be facing some severe trouble. And what should our response be to them? To judge them? You know, so and so, they messed up again. 
or to find an avenue where we can minister the grace and love and mercy of God. I believe that's what the church needs to do. I believe that the church needs to do that wholesale all across the body of Christ in the United States of America. We need to throw our judgment behind us and put our love out front and start to minister to the wounded that are walking in the midst of us once again. When you find somebody in a fault, beat them. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says, those of you that are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Love them. I guarantee you, I came into the body of Christ as a nasty, raunchy sinner. Wasn't anybody's criticism that won me, but what did win me was the love of God that was made manifest in a man's life. I believe it works. I believe it works. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one to another. Let his love be foremost in your life. Let his love be your standard. I guarantee you it'll open lots of doors and it'll minister to a lot of people if you just let it. John 15 and 12 said, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That's your, that's your standard. This is my suggestion. No. This is my commandment. Hallelujah. He didn't leave it up for us, to us to make a decision, did he? He said, this is what I want you to do. This is my commandment, that you love one another. How? The same way that he loves us. Totally completely, unconditionally, unselfishly, lavishly. How many of you does God love just a little bit? None of us. God loves you so totally, so completely, so fully, He couldn't love you anymore. And that's the kind of love he wants us to have for him and for one another. Now, some people think that they can love God unconditionally and deal with the rest of us however we want. I knew a woman a long time ago. She was as mean as an alley cat. I mean, she was mean. She would say mean things. Somebody would come to church with a new dress on, and she'd go, where'd you get that thing? My gosh. And I'd talk to her. I'd talk to her till I was blue in the face. I'd say, why do you got to be so mean? All I know is Jesus loves me, and I love him. When does that translate? 
when does it move on to the rest of us poor individuals that, you know, may not be so saintly? See, it needs to be made manifest in our life. And if we say to God, I love you with all my heart, but we hate our neighbor. Y'all know the scripture as good as I do. The truth is not in us. We lie. If I love God, I need to love you. Why? Because God suggested it. No, it's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. And we need to take it to heart. We need to make his standard our standard. We need to love one another. Not just at Christmas. All the time. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Your love has to be sincere. It can't be divided. It can't be, today I love you, tomorrow, jury's still out. It has to be sincere. It has to be constant. I wonder how many people would be in our churches today if the church practiced love without dissimulation. I believe we'd have fuller churches. Love. It's an equalizer. Stay away from the bad stuff. Hang on to the good stuff. There's a lot of evil in the world. What's that got to do with you? If I'm being led and guided by the Spirit of God, if I'm being led and guided by the love of God, all the evil in the world can't touch me. It's out there, sure. How do you overcome a curse? You put a blessing on it. Does that work? I'm here to tell you it works. I'd like to tell you that I've had that message firmly entrenched in my heart for a long time, but every once in a while, God will sneak up on you and show you how much you don't have. A couple of years ago, my wife or my daughter divorced us. Told us she didn't want anything to do with us. And I prayed them King David prayers, you know. Lord, make her fall down on that slippery slope. Mm, Did you really do that, Brother Mike? I'm being honest. Yes, I did. I said, whatever you got to do to stop her, stop her. You know how that changed our relationship? Didn't help a bit. Several months back, Susie and I started to change our tactics. And we began to bombard her with blessings. 
she didn't know it. But a few weeks back, she called me. She said, I need to see my daddy. All those prayers of condemnation, all those prayers of get her God, God, put her in a corner, beat her up a little bit. I know you can heal her later. None of those worked. But when we began to bind together and pray blessings on her, the windows of heaven were opened over, over her and something happened in her heart. And I didn't have a thing to do with it on a physical level. her heart and restored our daughter and my grandkids one we had never seen never saw him back to us what was it that did that it was the love of God that did that the love of God is power the love of God is anointing the love of God is authority in your life and it needs to be in your life and it doesn't need to just be there a little bit it needs to be there full strength Because God's got some things he wants to change in your life. And love is going to be the vehicle that takes you there. Not your love, his love manifested in your life. First Thessalonians 3.12 says, The Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Love of God needs to continue to grow in our lives. It's not a, a matter of having arrived. Okay, I got the love of God now. You'll be tested on that. But it should continue to grow in us. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. God has a next step when it comes to his love because his love never ends. Let's bring that home. The depth of your love, the value of your love, the richness of your love still has a ways to go because God is still working in you and he wants to take you deeper and deeper and deeper into his love so that you can share that maybe with some people that don't even know what love is love can change a heart and it will change your heart so it should continue to grow in us. There's that one that jumped up there first. Yeah. First Peter 1 and 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren not phony real real love 
See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. How many of you know what fervently means? Go to a high school football game. You'll see fervently in action, especially when the home team's got the ball. How is our love supposed to be towards one another? It should be fervent. It should be real. It shouldn't be phony. It shouldn't be something that I have to, oh, there's Jackie. I better put on my church face. It needs to be real. And it needs to be fervent, serious. Maybe a little overboard. I never, did you ever meet anybody that was loved too much? I'll tell you what, when love's real, there can't be too much. Different than when your Aunt Sarah used to come and grab you by the cheek. And you thought that was too forward and too fervent. But when you know that somebody loves you completely, totally, with the love of God, somehow it takes all the icky out of it, doesn't it? Because it's real. And if there's anything God wants for his love to be made manifest in your life, it's that it is real. He doesn't need anybody shilling for him. He needs us to be full of his love so that we have something to share. So that we can speak the words of truth and life and love to somebody that desperately needs to hear it. The man that led me to the Lord used a really profound theological tool. I was expecting the very worst because I was lost. But he came over to me. I saw him coming and I thought, here it comes. Get that chip ready. I knew he was going to be the one that said some kind of churchy, smirchy thing that, so I could get up and leave because I had no intention of getting saved. I was trying to get out of something my mouth got me into. And he said, you must be Mike Mitchell. And I thought, oh, here it comes. And he reached out his hand and I took his hand and he said I want you to know that I love you and Jesus Christ loves you he killed me I knew that what he said was real I knew that what he said I didn't have the strength to say. I didn't have the power to say. I didn't have the authority to say. I didn't love him and I didn't love me and I didn't love anybody. But I knew that he did. And I knew that if I gave him half a chance, he'd share what seemed so clearly real to him that he'd share that with me. And he spent most of the next two years praying with me, crying with me, counseling me, and helping me take the garbage out 
What was it that got you? It was the love. It was the love. He didn't even know he did it. Six months later, we're down in a park, swinging in a swing, grown men. Hardcore biker sitting in a swing. He said, what was it that caused you to turn? What was it that broke it for you? And I told him what he said to me. And he just, he said, I said that? I said, yes, sir, you did. And he said, I don't even remember that. And I said, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Because those were the words that broke the granite off of my heart, exposed the flesh, and opened the kingdom of God to me. What was it? It was the love. The love that God wants each one of us to display. Not just on Christmas, not just on Easter, not just on Sunday, but every day, every moment. Love is preeminent. Love is the power of God working in your life to affect something in someone else's life. And it's not without benefit. I guarantee you my life is good. And it's good because it's rich. Rich in love. Not my love, His love. And God wills that. God wants that for each and every one of us. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? Father, bless you today. Thank you for the love of Jesus Christ that you have so lavishly poured upon each and every one of us. Father, maybe this morning there's someone here that maybe hasn't felt that the way they should. I think that's probably a a product of wrong thinking, misunderstanding. The truth is you love us. You love us with a perfect and everlasting love. You have no desire to be phony with us. Help each of us this morning, first and foremost, to recognize your love manifest in our lives. Fill what may be an empty tank or a half full tank or even a three quarters full tank. Fill to overflowing. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Lord, dump your love into our lives this morning. Dump your love into our hearts and spirits this morning. Give us a super abundance to share with a lost and dying world and to share with one another. There is nothing more important about this season than the acknowledgement of your divine love. Bless each and every one this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
and amen. God bless you. Brother Jackie.